This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Teach us by yourself, O oh Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Well, I have good news for somebody. The Bible says where the word of the king is, there is power. Wherever the word of God is preached, there is power. Power to heal, power to save, power to deliver, power to do miracles, signs, and wonders. And because we are bringing the word of the Lord today, I want to assure somebody, there is power available for you. Power to transform your situation and power to turn things around for you in the name of Jesus. So today we're going to uh, continue in our study in the first epistle of John. And uh, we have covered chapters one and two so far. But as we move to chapter 3, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and read the last two verses of chapter 2, and then we move forward from there, if that's okay. So I'm going to begin this morning from 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 28 and 29. And it reads, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. He's encouraging us to say, make sure you remain in fellowship with the master. Remain in fellowship with the Savior. Jesus himself told the disciples, he said, be ready at all times. Amen. Stay in contact, stay in connection with the Savior. So that when he returns, I will not have to shrink back in shame. I will not be ashamed to appear before the Lord. Verse 29. He says, since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. You know, some people say, oh, it doesn't matter. We are under grace. Grace is available for everybody. But this scripture is telling us to the contrary. It's saying since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know, we also know that only those who do what is right will be considered God's children. Remain in fellowship is what it says. Stay engaged. Stay connected. In Salvation Center, we have different groups. We have the women's group. Uh, they have a WhatsApp group. Engage. Stay in fellowship. Stay in connection. We have the men's group, Men of Valor. Uh, we have a WhatsApp group. Pastor, I should add you to the group. <laughs> you know, we have the Men of Valor group. If that one is gathering momentum now, you know, they keep talking about fitness. So, you see my guns? 
It's coming. If you don't see it yet, it's coming. <laughs> we have the Men of Valor group. We have the Reverb group. Don't be a lone ranger. Amen? Don't be a lone ranger. A lone ranger falls alone and uh, bad things happen to them alone. The Bible tells us in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Is in real trouble. So I want to encourage us. The scripture encourages us. We've been talking about fellowship. Fellowship is participation. It's sharing in common. And we see that in Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. The Bible tells us how they had everything in common. The sermon title for today is Loved Not Forsaken. I want you to say to yourself, I am loved. I am not forsaken. God will never leave me. You don't believe it. God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. You know why? Because he loves me too much. Amen? He loves me too much. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. It, does not, it doesn't matter what things look like, what they appear to be like. I know in Christ Jesus, I have the victory. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. I know my Redeemer lives. Isn't that what Job said? Even though his case was so bad, boils all over. I mean, he was bad. Lost all his children in one day. Lost all his earthly wealth. And now he has boils over. He couldn't sit on any comfortable thing. He had to gather ashes together to cushion his bum bum because of boils. But in the midst of it all, he said, I know. I know my Redeemer lives. And because I know my Redeemer lives, I know in the sweet by and by, ultimately, I will be victorious. The Bible said concerning Job that at the end of time, he had double of everything he had lost, except for the children, because he had 10 children. Double would be interesting. <laughs> Listen to me. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind about God's great love for you and I. God loves us. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. I hope you know that. You know, a lot of times we leave our perception of God to how we feel. And faith is not about feeling. Amen. The Bible says the just shall live by his own faith. Amen? It means it does not matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to trust in what I know, the word of God. The word of God is true. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting the bone, the marrow, separating between the good stuff and the bad stuff. The word of God is alive. God loves you. God loves me. You know that scripture, very one of the most popular scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves you. That's the point I'm making this morning. God loves you and God loves me. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son for the world. 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Romans 8, 32, it says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That's the question. So it doesn't matter where I am today when I remember that God gave Jesus. I know that thing that I need and I desire. He will meet that need in my life. Why? Because he loves us. He did it all for love. He did it for love. That's the reason why he did all he did. And he did everything he did for you and I while we were yet sinners. That's the that's interesting, shocking thing about it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, Romans 8 uh, 5 verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending, God showed his God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, listen to this, while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to clean up. So the love of God for you is not based on what you have done or what you haven't done. He loves you. Amen? He prefers for you to do the right stuff for you to be his children, but God loves you. And I don't want you to believe the lie of the enemy. The lie that the enemy is suggesting to your mind that maybe God doesn't care about you anymore. God loves you. God loves me. I am loved. I am not forsaken. I am loved by God. I am not forsaken by God. Our text for today, we'll just read two verses and hopefully we get to the rest. First John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. There's just so much to unpack here. He says, see how very much our father loves us. You know, when he says sees, it's like he's playing down the word. You know, the old King James says, behold, what manner of love. Behold, to behold means to look intently. It means to focus on very diligently, to be very attentive while you're looking. He says, see how great love the Father has for us. For he calls us his children. How did he prove his love for us? He said, you are my child. You are my daughter. Amen. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are mine. He's, he's not saying you are one of the people from the assembly night. He said, you are my child. You are my child. What an honor. What a privilege. He said, see how very much our father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. We are God's children. We are God's children. He said, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Let me pause real quick here. Listen, it is very, very important that you and I don't allow the world around us to define us. Listen, can you please leave the text up? It says, the reason the world does not know we are children of God is because they don't know God. And because they don't know God, they cannot recognize that we belong to God. 
So if you leave it to the world to define who you are, they will define you incorrectly and you will assume that who, that is who you are. Amen? It says, God loves us so much, he calls us his children. But the world cannot recognize the fact that we are children of God. Why? They don't know God. They don't know God. It is very, very important for you and I that we don't allow the world to define us. We don't allow the world system to tell us what success looks like. We don't let the world system tell us what we must do to be happy in life. Amen. The joy of the Lord, the scripture says, is what? Amen. He's the one that strengthens us. We derive our essence from who he is, not from what the world offers. Too many of us have been hoping that, oh, if I make enough money, I'll be happy. Go and ask those that have made the money that you anticipate you will make and see where it ended up. They still want more. It's just never enough. The Bible says hell has opened its mouth wide and it cannot be satisfied. There is no amount of money you will have that you will be satisfied. Otherwise, Jeff Bezos shouldn't be working anymore. It should just be chilling. I think they say he makes, I don't know how much per second, you know, like $100,000 per second is what the man makes. Somebody is wishing they make that in one year. Do you understand? What, but the man is still working. So money will never satisfy. It will never satisfy. Some have taken to drink it. If I drink enough, drink your sorrow away. Or dance your sorrow away. Those things don't satisfy. The joy of the Lord is what will strengthen us. And God loves you. He wants you close to him. Every parent here understands what I'm talking about. Every I hate to come to get to my house and the house is empty. I just don't like it. I don't know what I'm going to do when all the children are, <laughs> you know, but I just get, I'm upset. Let me just put it the way it is. So my wife knows. If they're going to go out, they have to wait for me to arrive. I see everybody. Say, how are you? How are you? How are you, daddy? I hug, I kiss, and then they can go out. That's the joy of parenthood. God wants you to be in his space. He wants you in his presence. He loves you so much. He says, you are my daughter. You are my daughter. You are my daughter. Listen, if you allow the world to define you, they will give you a name that is not your own. That is why Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say I am? You know, okay, maybe we should read it. Mark, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, very quickly, 8.27. Very quick, okay, don't worry about it. He said, who do people say I am? They said, oh, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are prophet Elijah. Everything they said was wrong. You know why? Because they don't know the Father. Because they don't know the Father, they cannot know the Son. They cannot recognize the Son. If you are waiting for people to define you, to tell you who you are, they will tell you who you are not, and you will believe it. Amen? Amen. Verse 2. Verse 2, very quickly. We're going to come back to that verse 1. Uh, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, we are already God's children. We are already God's children. But 
He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. This is one of those scriptures that has blessed me for so many years. Every time I've thought about it. But let's go, let, let's, let's go in, uh, in order. So the question I have there is, how did we become God's children? Because God loves the world, but not the world, the whole world, they are not his children. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Even though he loves the world, he came to save the world. The entire world, they are not his children. They are his creation. The entire world is God's creation, but the entire, the, not all human beings are God's children. So how did you and I become God's children? And if you are not his child yet, today you can become one. So let's read. Uh, number one, or A, I said we are God's children, and if you are following on the app, the blank there is the new birth. The new birth. We are God's children by the new birth. Whether or not I feel it, it doesn't change anything. How I feel. Feelings is not about feelings. It's about who you are. Amen? Uh, how many of you... Uh, let's continue. John chapter 1. <laughs> John chapter 1. <laughs> John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John chapter 1, 12 and 13. It said, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he did what? He did what? He gave the right to become children of God. So to become a child of God is not a difficult thing. It's a matter of choice. He's made himself available, but you have to choose him. Now that he's made himself available to you. He said, for all that believe and have accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. He says, they are reborn. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or, play or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Galatians chapter uh, 3 Verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He said, For all, for you are all children of God. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So the moment I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I became a child of God. Hallelujah. Every right that children have, I have in Him. Every right that a son has in him, I have in him. It is high time we begin to truly understand who we are in Christ Jesus. This morning, the ministers, we were praying, you know, and uh, Pastor Ibukun was telling us. He said, it is high time we begin to take charge by his name. So we know who we are. The Bible says God has given him that is Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess, of things in heaven, on earth, even underneath the earth. That is what God has given us. 
That is a right of sonship that we have. The second way we become children of God, we are God's children by adoption. After we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are adopted into God's family. You know, to be a part of a family, you are either born naturally or into that, into that family, or you are adopted into that family. If you know anything about adoption, you will understand that the adopted son has full right to the inheritance of the father as the natural born son. Full right. So the fact that we are adopted does not mean we are second class. No, no, no. We have been adopted into his family. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. And then we jump to 23. Romans 8, 15, 16, and 23. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. He adopted you. He adopted me as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Very personal. Abba means source. We call him our source and we call him our father. Amen. My children, by the grace of God, don't ever, ever have to worry about food. They can't sit in a corner. <laughs> What's wrong with you? We don't know if we are going to have food tomorrow. <laughs> never. It will never happen by the grace of God. By the grace. It will never happen. No father will allow that to happen. No normal father. No average father. No father with means and with resources will ever allow that to happen to their children. And no mother also. God calls us his children. Every parent has a sense of responsibility and duty towards their children. If we natural parents think and act like that, excuse me. Excuse me, somebody, please. How much more God? How much more God? How much more our father? Verse 16. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm us that we are God's children. It means the Holy Spirit inside of us is confirming and affirming and establishing to us in our spirit man that we are God's children. Why don't you say to yourself, I am a child of God. I'm not, a, I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. I'm not a wannabe. I am a child of God. And I'm not, that's not, I'm not being proud. I'm just saying and stating a simple fact. Understand it and relish in it. I am a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I belong to the Savior. I belong to the Master. Let's jump to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. He said, God sent him, him there is Jesus, God sent him to buy freedom for us, you and I, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us 
to call out, Abba, Father. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same spirit is in you and I. That spirit is in you. I have the DNA of God. That is why it breaks my heart so much when I see believers walking like this, like the whole world is on their shoulder. Things may not be going the way you planned, but it does not make you any less a child of God. It doesn't make you any less a child of God. I've told you my stories. It, I was pastor of this church when I went through all of my travails. And not, not a person in church knew what I was going through. I said, show up on Sunday. I said, do what I had to do. And by the grace of God, I think I did it fairly decently. Amen? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. In fact, I told you the story before. There was one day we were worshiping and I laid flat. Please don't mess with this thing. I laid flat. I was worshiping the Lord. I had forgotten that there was a hole in the sole of my shoes. The moment I remembered, I just, <laughs> I changed my style. <laughs> I changed my style, but it was too late. That week, I got a gift of a pair of shoes. Then I, I said, ah, that man must have seen that hole. <laughs> Your current state is not what defines who you are. Who you are was defined when you gave your life to Christ. The day I surrendered my life to Jesus, that is the day I became a child of God. And that matter was settled. So whether I'm going through, through trials, I'm going through tribulations, whatever it is I'm going through is external to who I am. My person, me, Adekoye Sonny, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I belong to Jesus. He died for me. He rose on the third day that I may have life and have it forever. That is what God did. Everything else will work itself out with time. Hallelujah. Listen. So he said, we are God's children. He loves us so much. Behold, what manner of love that he will call us his children. Amen. And he says that is who we are. And then in verse 2, in verse 2, he says, dear friends, we are already God's children. We are not becoming anymore. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you are already a child of God. You are not becoming and becoming. and be No, 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 no. You are a child of God. You are, I am a child of God. But then he continues and he says, but. Somebody say but. When you see but, but is an exception. It means what is coming is not exactly jiving with what was said before. He said, but he has not shown us, he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know <laughs> that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Friends, what he's saying here is very simple. Very, very simple. Very, very simple. He's saying, look. We are already God's children. That, that's not in question. There's no what if not about that. that. That's not what we're talking about here. And remember, the person writing this letter walked side by side with Jesus. And he's saying, 
He said, look, he has not yet shown us what we will be like. It means we're going to be like something in the future that looks like nothing that we are now. That's what he's saying to them. Amen? I've said many times that John on the island of Patmos and all of those wonderful things he wrote for us to read in the book of Revelation, telling us, giving us a description of heaven. He did his best, but I can guarantee you his best was not good enough. Listen, I'm not saying scripture is not good enough. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. His description of heaven, excuse me, if you see something you have never seen before, how would you describe it? By the things you have seen before. Right? And if that thing is better than anything else that you have ever seen before, you will say, well, it is like, you know. Let me give you an example. There was a, a, someone from Nigeria that went to Israel for the first time. Never been out of her local place. Went in the car, they went to the airport, from the airport they bought the plane, then they went to Israel. Here's how she told the story. She said, ah! When we got to the airport, the wall just opened by itself. That sliding door. <laughs> she said the wall just opened by itself. She said, and then when we got, we, we entered this big tube. When we entered the tube, he said, ah! I have never experienced anything like that before. It felt like my heart was going to jump out of my mouth when the thing began to speed and it went boom. And we began to fly like a bird. <laughs> and then they got to Israel. They went in the elevator to their hotel room on the floor. <laughs> she said the wall, the wall opened up and then the earth started moving and carrying them up and carrying them up and, until they were suspended in the air. She could only describe, describe what she experienced by what she had known. What John did for us in describing heaven, the stone, the gold, and all of that, he described them by the things he knew. That is why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, you read from verse 9 to 12. Listen to this. It says, now our knowledge is partial. And incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. <laughs> so, you know, it, oh man, Pastor, it, it interests me so much when I hear people struggling to explain something that has no explanation because that explanation is beyond them, <laughs> it's beyond us. John clearly wrote to them, he said, Look, God has not yet revealed to us what we will be like. So trying to describe what we'll be like when God has not revealed, you're a liar. Some people must have an answer for everything. You know, I, that's not me, and many of you know that. I say, well, you ask a good question. I don't have an answer. <laughs> I will get back to you on that one. I praise the Lord. He says, we know in part. We, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy. So don't blame the prophet. If the prophet prophesies, ah, the prophet tried, but he didn't hit it on the head. He said, even that, even that, 
is a part of the whole picture. Verse 10. But when the time of perfection comes, hallelujah, these partial things will become useless. Prophecy will be useless. Faith would have no place and all of those things. Right? And then verse 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, hallelujah, I put away childish things. Verse 12. Say, now we see things imperfectly. Can you? Self-awareness is a great first step in life. Can you understand that you don't see things perfectly yet? If you recognize that, it will help you a great deal. He said, now, now we see things imperfectly. It's like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, then, talking about when Jesus comes and we see him face to face. He said, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is what? And what? Partial and incomplete. He said, all that we know now is partial and incomplete. But when I will know everything, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. But when is that time? When we see Jesus, when we see him face to face. That's what the apostle was telling them in 1 John 3, 2. He said, but we are God's children. You know what if not about that? He said, but God has not shown us what we will be like when he comes back. When he comes back and we see him face to face, he said we will see him truly how he is, and then we will know all things. So there are questions you may have now that you don't have an answer to. It doesn't make God less God. Okay, I'll say that again. And then maybe I'll find another way to say it for you to understand it. There are things you have questions about now. Why did God, why is God not, why isn't God, why, 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 why? There's so many questions we have that we can't get a solid answer for. It doesn't make God less God. The fact that I cannot give you an answer that satisfies satisfies you does not mean God is no longer God. Does not make God less powerful. The fact that the questions you have, nobody can answer it. Nobody, at least to your satisfaction. It doesn't mean God is not God. It just proves the point that we're reading about. That we know our knowledge is partial and incomplete. As long as we are on this side of eternity. So, what what then should we do? What should we do? You know, if you tell a child, that's why the Bible says, unless we become like little children, we cannot enter. Amen? The kingdom. Listen. If you tell a child, children, next week, not the, <laughs> don't tell teenagers, they will question you. <laughs> you know, like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, say, next week, we're going to Disney. COVID or no COVID. By tomorrow morning when that child wakes up, Daddy, is it next week yet? He said, no, 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 no. It's still a few more days. Okay. That child will keep once next. 
That's how it believes you. They, they believe. They don't know about whether you have money in the bank or you don't have money in the bank. You know, and then when that next week comes and you explain to the child, child, I thought we would be able to, we will not do it this time, we will do it another time. Okay, daddy. They are trusting. They are believing. Faith is simply trust in God no matter what. Amen? Faith is trust in God no matter what. I'm going to stop there because of time. Okay, we still have a few minutes. Is this time correct? I don't think so. That's not right. Yeah, it's 11.56. I'm going to stop there. Please rise to your feet. the Lord this morning and just appreciate him for all that he's done for you. He has called you and I his children. As long as you have believed, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. I am a child of God. He loves you. He loves you. I don't know what your situation is at this time, but that does not define the love of God for you. God loves you no matter what. Regardless and in spite of your experience right now, I want you to understand that God loves you. Jeremiah said his love for us is everlasting. He has loved us with an everlasting love. He loves you, brethren. He loves you, brother and sister. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Love is what brought him. I know we have questions. I know there are many things we don't understand. But know this today. God loves you. God loves you. Rest in that. Be secured in that. 
Understand that God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. Let him minister to you. It's okay if you don't have any words. Just be quiet in his presence. And let him just minister to you. If you just play very softly, just play like you're playing, you don't have to sing. Just let the Lord minister to you. He's there with you. He's there with you. For those watching online, for those of you present in the sanctuary, the Lord is right there with you. He's right there with you. Just receive it. Receive the ministration of the Holy Spirit. Receive his comfort. Receive his peace. Receive his joy. Joy like a river. The peace that passes all understanding. Just bask in his presence. Just bask in it. Bask in his presence. Jesus is here right now. He's here to meet your needs. He's here to set the captives free. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's the lover of our soul. Give him full control. Give him full control. He's here. Is here. It says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. It's there, right there with you. Just receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Jehovah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Majesty. Thank you, King of Glory. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this afternoon, you need healing, it is yours. You need deliverance, it is yours. You need provision, it is yours. You need a breakthrough. I don't know what you want to break through, but it is available to you right now. Just receive of the Lord. Receive. Receive, receive of him. Receive of him. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Take all the glory. 
take all the honor, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Sweet Holy Spirit, thank you for your sweet presence. Thank you for the moment of refreshing. Thank you for this encounter. Lord, as we close the service, Holy Spirit, I pray you will continue to work in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies. In the name of Jesus. Lord, that which you have started, I pray you will perfect. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, blessed Redeemer. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us share the grace and fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture of the month, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. But if We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.